0: So today we jump in with Supremacy of the Word Uh, in this Back to the Basics series, Um, and I'm going to use Genesis chapter 21 for my text. I'll let you stay seated, but I want you to read out loud when you come to the phrases that are emboldened. Okay, so I'll read the majority of the text, but when we get to the phrase and you see the letters pop, they're really hard black. Then say them with me, okay? Really, really strong. I want you to be assertive. Here we go. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah said, and the Lord did for Sarah. What he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son to his son. Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him. As God commanded him. Abraham was a hunted. He was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Father, bless your word this morning. Lord, bless our hearing. Help me. Apart from you, I'm nothing. God, I'm grateful today that Christ in me, the hope of glory, can lead me and empower me and strengthen me to do all things that you've called me to do and be. I'll be careful to give you the praise. Be hearing in the hearts of these people. Be understanding in our minds. Be action in our words, and in our hands, and in our feet. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Had a wonderful time in Fort Worth, and uh, ate some great food, and just hung out, and great time with my son, just uh, just seeing the Lord's blessing in his life, and hearing him grow, and um, his, his prayers, and the steps that are in front of him. I'm excited about the next steps he's about to take, and Uh, Abby as well and I just had a great trip thank you for praying for me giving me an opportunity I'm so grateful to be a part of uh, and I'm just gonna brag I just think we have the best team of any church in the whole area I think I think Pastor Haley and I think Pastor Jeremy and others that are growing and on our team our preaching team are just remarkable and I'm thankful to be able to get an opportunity to go and my family's spread out now one ended up in New York City and Drew down in Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, took the dogs with me. We rode in the Jeep, and I didn't drug them this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you heard me right. And when I went on my first trip to Fort Worth uh, with them, I went to the vet, and because I had tried, I'd gotten out of my Jeep, and I would ride them around the block, and the block became a couple of miles, and a couple of miles it became, I'd ride down to Lake David, Turrell, turn around and come back. And every time I'd get a few miles into it, either Odie or Copper One would throw up in my Jeep, and then I would have to clean it up. And, and so I'm just trying to get the dogs used to riding, you know. <clears throat> and so I just said, ah, yeah, I'm not going to go to Fort Worth and not have these uh, d- dogs somehow dealt with. And so I, I uh, got a little something, 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 something from the vet, a little, little sedative. <laughs> and they told me, you know, how to break one up for Copper. And, of course, Odie, last time he went to the vet, he weighed 106 pounds, so um, I, me- I need to meet with the finance committee for a raise for dog food, so <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, <clears throat> so we had a great time, made it both ways, and didn't drug them, and they didn't have an accident. So I'm so we just had a great trip. Last- when I went the first time, we got home late, and um, about 10 o'clock, Odie got just these big old droopy eyes, and he was probably three months old at the time, still a little puppy. And back in February when I went, and um, uh, all of a sudden bloodshot eyes and he's just almost listless and all, he goes limp and I'm just shaking him and he doesn't wake up. Well, I rush over to Animal Emergency Room on Central and just threw a couple hundred bucks away because the doctor laughed at me. And I, wonder if, I forget what the name of the sedative is, but long story short, Odie was just high. He, <laughs> 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 he said... the the vet had told me to take the little pill and press it into a piece of cheese and evidently the piece of cheese that I had given him he'd gobbled down a hole and it had taken a long time to digest and the the, the medicine had just really kicked in when I got home and I'd never seen a dog and the vet just laughed he said I'm sorry you came over Mr. Smith and and spent this time with us but it'll cost you two (laughs) hundred and eleven dollars and I said well that's a lesson that I learned that's two hundred eleven dollars worth so Anyway, uh, he was just high, so um, we we made the trip this time, and Odie didn't have to get high, so I'm thankful (laughs) thankful for that. Some of you didn't know a dog could get high. Anyway, um, see, that's the kind of stuff. Jeremy, I listened to that message last week, and I was in tears. I was just rolling, so how is he so funny? You know? Anyway, uh, everybody say one thing look at it. Let's get it real quick. This is our one thing. Read it with me. In the life of the believer, the word must have first place and final authority. If you've been in victory any length of time, you've heard me say that a thousand times probably. It's it's a travesty to hear people out in the Bible belt say, well, we've tried everything. I guess it's time to pray. And I'm not discourteous. I'm not I don't scold people who say that, I just I want to slap them really, but I don't. And because it breaks my heart when people will just go through life who really have a knowledge of God, about God, but really don't know the Lord. Because if you're walking with Jesus, you're walking along with Him, you don't try everything first and then say, hey, what, what's up with this? But you go to Him first, and after all the other opinions have been expressed, He has fin- – everybody say, final authority. And so it, it's, the word is first place and it's final authority. It's the Alpha and it's the Omega. It's the first place we go and it's the last place we listen to. After everything's been said, it has final authority in my life. So I want you to understand this morning as we go back to the basics, the importance of the Word of God, both written in record form that we have and hold gratefully as Bible students... It is the most widely sold book and the bestseller every year and it's probably the least widely read. Why do we buy so many copies and then don't read it? America is basically a biblically illiterate nation. It wasn't always that way. Um, I, I don't want to shame you this morning. The last thing I want to do is add a layer of legalism on what you ought to do because then that just becomes one more gold star you have to earn in your idea of working out your salvation. I believe that first of all if you really have Jesus in your heart and you know him there's a hunger doesn't mean you doesn't mean you're uh, spending hours every day in the word but there are not going to be many days that you go without at least opening the book and going God speak to me show me give me wisdom or at least getting on your face on your knees and praying and saying God lead me and guide me in my life and opening the word and so this morning this is not to shame you but at the same time it's to be plain we, we buy and sell more copies of the holy book but spend very little time in the book And we we need to get our faces in the book instead of spending so much time on Facebook. And forgive me, I know that's a worn out cliche at this point in a lot of churches. But it still certainly bears repeating. Somebody say amen. amen. President Ronald Reagan said, Within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems men face. President Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. The African bishop, St. Augustine, section of Africa called Hippo, was the bishop of Hippo, one of the most powerful men. You probably, some of you probably didn't even know he was an African. He was a black man. He said this. He said, the holy scriptures are our letters from home. How many of you have ever been away from home for a period of time? Ray, raise your hand. What, what happened? What was it like when you received communication from home, when you got a letter from home? And how, how much did it mean to you? Uh, I, I, I don't... I, amen. Praise God. Um, it obviously gets your attention and sometimes moves you emotionally when you read the words of someone because as you read that letter you can hear the words being spoken in the voice of the person that is sending you the information, that's sending you the message. And if we would treat our Bibles like a letter from home, the way Bishop St. Augustine tells us that the Holy Bible is letters from home to us, if we would value it with that, if we would weep over it, if we would yearn for it and long for it, then our lives could be vastly different than they are now. Somebody say amen. Point number one, the written word. Everybody say the written word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. This is a scripture passage that I memorized as an 18-year-old. I would leave out of my dorm room in my freshman year at Arkansas State University in the fall of 1979 with a three-by-five card freshly written every morning with a different scripture on it tucked into my pocket. would go to my classes from 8 to noon in the morning, and in between classes changing from old science over to... Wilson Hall to do some humanities study or whatever over to the lab science building. Uh, If I wasn't with people, then I would pull that card out if I was by myself, and I would read that out loud. I would be on the sidewalk, nobody around me. I would mutter the words, which is what the word meditate means in the Bible. It means to mutter. Now, I didn't do this around people because that would be perceived as a little weird, probably a little bit religious, overly, over-the-top, extra but when I was by myself, I was actively about the business of getting the Word of God into me. Because, you know, as wonderful as this book is, as beautiful, and this is probably by now probably my 40th copy, I would say. I've read through the Bible every year, at least once, sometimes multiple times per year, and have owned dozens of copies of the Bible and worn the backs literally off of them. Had one, I remember one time, re uh, what is it called? Rebound. It was re-backed, rebound. Uh, because I wasn't ready to get rid of that particular copy. And uh, I just want to say, as powerful as this book is, I can't take that copy into a hospital and lay it on a sick person and that person get healed. But when I let the words on this, the pages of this book, the black letters on white paper or the, the red letters of Jesus, on white paper, get into my heart and mix with faith in a God who is all powerful and all sufficient. And I begin to enter into a kind of co-creator capacity with the one who from the beginning spoke it all into existence. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I'm talking about the written word and the spoken word and the heard word today. I was so impressed with Jeremy's three points of homework, teamwork, praise work. I thought, I'm going to do mine kind of like that. Written word, spoken word, and heard word today in terms of the application of having the Word of God be supreme, having it first place, having it all powerful in your life. There is nothing magical about a copy of Scripture, but there is something intensely powerful about it when you open it up and let it begin to wash over your life It was Dwight Moody that said, the Bible is not for your information, it's for your transformation. And when you begin to trust in the God who wrote these words, 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years, and all saying a message that has one man at the center of the story, his name is Jesus. One writer said one time that the Bible is a mine of wealth, a garden of glory, a river of pleasure. It contains food to sustain us and light to guide us and comfort to to keep us. It is the traveler's map and the pilot's compass and the soldier's sword and the Christian's charter and the pilgrim's staff. Whatever you need... Wherever you are, whatever your station in life, whatever difficulty you face, or whatever celebratory time you have just come through in a season of triumph, or maybe at the ebb of a lowest time in your life when everything is gone and it looks like it's destroyed. The Bible has words that will speak to where you are. And like no other book, it is a speaking book. They're powerful words that I've memorized as a student I love to learn and I've memorized and quoted great men and women, authors and poets and some prophetic. And Shakespeare can move you and it can, it can move you to emotion, but it doesn't have a living power that breathed into your life that can transform the circumstances and give you hope where there is no other hope. There's something unique about the Bible and the Word of God. And when the child of God speaks the Word of God, mountains move... And the kingdom of God is advanced. And so I want you to see this morning. This is this is a, a scripture that I, I, I applied to my heart as an 18-year-old, as a freshman at Arkansas State University. And the the I learned it in the King James, and it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Okay? So the, the NLT says it this way my child, pay attention. Look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. You know, the, 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 the King James says it this way, my son, attend to my words. Now, let me tell you, let me give you Arkansas for that. It's what daddy would tell me to do something, and then I didn't do it right away, and he'd tell me the second time, and he'd, he'd, I didn't do it right away, and he'd say, son, I told you to tend to it. Look at your neighbor and say, tend to it. Now, when you tend to it, that, that's short for the English word attend. Give attention to it. When you tend to it, when Daddy said, I told you tend to it, and I told you now, K-N-O-W-E now, Daddy would start spelling and we would just kind of go, what? (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, "Attend to it. So give it attention. Listen carefully to my words. Go ahead. Thank you in the booth. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Stop right there. That is, keep them before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, is what King James says. Verse 22, next, it says, For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. King James says, For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So when you pursue out of a hunger, when you open the book and you... You yearn and you long for it and you go, God, let me understand, let me grasp this. And, and bigger than that, God, let this thing grasp me. Let it take hold of me. It's, I love the Greek word for apprehend in the New Testament. It's, it's katalumbano, It means to seize it and take hold of it and not let go of it. And so when you give attention to something and you grasp it and that thing that you have grasped has grasped hold of you, and guess what? You are in a great place for God to not just inform you, but for you to begin to be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Because that's what we want. We don't want to stay the same. I don't want to stay the same. It's not, it's not about just marking time, just going through some kind of religious calisthenics. My, my son, he says. And then finally, verse 23, King James says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, what goes in your heart is going to come back out multiplied. Well, they used to tell you kind of in those old days when we would actually program in cobol and uh what was it rpg and these other different kinds of mainframe computer languages and we had cards that were punch cards and 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 they would basically say garbage in garbage out and the computer's not going to make any errors it's going to going to do based on the program that you've written and we would actually write programs in some business classes that I was in way back in alt 6 long 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 time It's way back way back in this late 70s, uh, early 80s, and way long before the days of a personal computer. And so they would teach us, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And so it's the same principle that works in our spirits. What you put into it is going to begin to come out. Guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, with all diligence, the King James says, for it determines the course of your life. You want to know what your friend is really thinking, what's in their heart? Be quiet long enough to listen, because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth, the mouth speaks. And so if, if we would just learn to be quiet, I read a Mark Driscoll quote recently. It says, you want to be a rebel today? Get a job, cut your grass, open the Bible, and shut up. In the face of all the protesting today, all the nonsense and not, not having a job and just, you know, all the uproar that's going on in our society today. The rebel is the one that actually gets a job and treats, treats your wife right and be responsible and raise your kids, cut your grass, pay your bills on time, be faithful and loyal to your friends, to the words that you've spoken, have integrity. How many of you know our God is a God of integrity? When he says what he says, he means what he says. Go back to the text for me one more time, if you would, to the very original text. I want you to look at this one more time as, as you're finding there. What happened to Sarah? As he had said, God gave Sarah the word of the Lord that, he, that they would have a baby long, long after they had the ability to naturally, as humans do, male and female, procreate. Abraham was way past the age to be able to birth a baby. Sarah, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, it's pretty plain, way too old to have strength to conceive seed, but yet she believed that God was able to do what he had promised. And so as he had said what he had promised, the whole point of that to begin this series is that God is a God of integrity and his word is true and what God says he will uphold. Somebody say amen. So if we will get in the written word and learn the word and see what it says and pay attention to it and guard our hearts, then our lives can begin to change. We can have hope in the place of hopelessness. I used to think this was an Adrian Rogers quote. I grew up listening to Dr. Rogers, was a real fan, great Bible preacher, gospel-centered preacher, Bellevue Baptist Church for probably 30-plus years in Memphis, Tennessee. And I didn't realize that he was actually quoting the greatest Baptist preacher in the world, which was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Pastors Metropolitan, or he pastored Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England in the 1800s and had the first megachurch, 5,000 in attendance every Sunday. And he said this, Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Now y'all don't go home and rip your Bible today so you can look more spiritual. (laughs) Pardon me. But you know, Constant usage, getting into it, opening it up, letting it wash over you, doesn't mean you're perfect. No, it just means you recognize your need. (laughs) Just Let me tell you, if you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't it, baby. And guess what? Wherever you find one, when you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. Uh, Everybody in the room realizes we need God. And that's why we're taking time and going through these motions. It's what Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 1 talks about, the foolishness of preaching. Uh, just, just to get up here and, and, and get your attention and you whipped up to remember who God is and who you are and how He sees you. Come on, somebody say amen. In the life of the believer, the word must have first place and final authority. Point number two, everybody say the spoken word. Spoken word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is a favorite passage of mine. It says, for the word of God and I'm, I, again, I'm just hearkening back to the days when I was memorizing out of the King James on a, on a three-by-five card. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. King James says it's quick. Quick, it's, it's alive. Have You ever had a hangnail, and you're just trying to get the little corner piece out, and when you do, you pull it, and it goes way down further in the nail bed than you intended it to? And you have to bite your tongue to keep from saying something you don't want other people to hear you say? I know y'all have never done that, I'm sure, I know. And you know, you want to know why that's hurt so bad? What, what's that area of your nail bed called? The quick. Why is it called the quick? Because it's what? It's alive, it's a living part. And so, when the Old English talk about something that's quick, it doesn't mean it's fast, but it means it's living, it's active, it is powerful. And so, the Word of God is alive and powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now, when I'm talking about the Word, I'm not just talking about a memorized portion of Scripture, but I'm talking about the Word who is a person, and His name is Jesus. You get Him down on the inside of you, and He will wrestle with you on the thought level and your intentions, what motivates you to do what you do. What's the reason behind it? Because guess what? If you think about something long enough, it will begin to come out of your mouth because the contents of your heart will overflow. And if you keep talking about it long enough, guess what's going to happen? You're actually going to follow through and do it. It's this pattern called thought, word, and deed. That's why Jesus told us, you know, you know the, the law says don't commit adultery. But he said, I say don't look upon a woman to lust after her for that man is already committed adultery with the woman in his heart. Now, it's in his heart. It's not the same. Okay. There's not a woman in here that says if you chose one of those two sins, she'd rather it be a thought battle than to be the real thing. So don't get caught up in that idea that it's all the same. All sin is not sin. Sin is sin, but all sin is not the same. Uh, a sin in thought is way different than a one that's spoken about and one that's continued to be spoken about will eventually become a one indeed. That's the reason Jesus said, see the pattern. Let your mouth be the barometer of your heart. Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Because death and life is in the power of this tongue right here. Proverbs says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And the words that you're speaking, you should pay attention to what you're hearing. Listen to them. Because what you're thinking about has become words. And what your words will continue to do if you keep speaking them is they will become deeds. And so we can cut it off before it becomes a deed. You can cut it off at the root before it bears fruit. Come on, somebody. So that's, that's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't trying to make it 100 times harder on everybody. He was trying to say, use this as an indicator. Catch yourself at the thought level before it becomes spoken or before it becomes action. Somebody say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good stuff. Back to basics, but this is what we need to be reminded of. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. The prophet is giving us an agricultural analogy. And he says, As in the very same way that the rains come down, the snow from heaven, and it waters the earth, gives bread to the sower, bread, bread to the, seed to the sower and bread to the eater, in that very same kind of way, God who provides all of these things for us and then shows you the process to begin to reproduce it in your life. He says, in the same way, it is the same with my word, I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Now, God says, when I speak something, it has the ability to produce results. Just like right now, let me just, let me just try this. I'm going to say a word and, and don't say anything out loud. I'm going to poll the audience in just a moment and ask you what you saw when I say this word because this word will produce an image. It has the power to create Apple. Stop, don't say anything. How many of you saw a red one? How many of you saw a green one? How many of you saw a computer with an apple on it? There's a few of you over here. Okay. The word that I spoke had the ability to create an image in your mind. Your words are vastly more powerful than you even recognize. And when I, as a child of God, take the word of God and speak the word of God into the atmosphere, I assume, and it's, a, it's a, it, it, I'm going to be careful with the word assume, but I rightfully take a place as a commissioned representative of God in the earth to become a co-creator with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, God is God's capital G. I'm not taking anything away from Him. He always will be. I'm not, never will be. But as a man on the planet, and when I say man, I mean mankind. I'm not talking about gender sp- specifics here. Men and women made in the image of our forebear, Adam, but now renewed and made in the image of, our, of the second Adam. His name is Jesus Christ. When you speak his word, it has power. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, the words that Jesus speaks has resurrection power. It will change circumstance. This doesn't mean that you ought to go around with a Rolodex of Scriptures and whipping it out and quoting Galatians 4.17 or or Isaiah 55.11 to people. No, that's just just weird. Just don't, don't, don't do that. But you know what? It means you're armed with the confidence of what the Word says. It means you go into hopeless circumstances and you let there be light you speak words of encouragement and you bring hope where there is no hope. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Come on. And sometimes, like these folks who've rushed to the side as volunteers of these people that have lost everything in these two hurricane-flooded areas, long before you're ever preaching or say words, sometimes we have to serve the door open. We have to meet the initial needs of somebody because guess what? Somebody who's got a hungry... Stomach is much li- less, yes, less likely to listen to you if you fill their stomach and then you share with them the love of Jesus and a little bit of gospel. Come on, somebody, are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Let there be light. I have the ability. I, matter of fact, this is what the Christian walk is. Literally predicated upon. It is substantiated and validated by it. The two most important decisions that you make in your life, you do them orally. You do them with spoken words with your mouth. I had the privilege of standing in front of just a few friends and family with Brennan and Haley just a few weeks ago. And they stood and spoke their vows out loud and declared to one another loyalty and fidelity and love in the face of future challenges, till death do us part. And they spoke it in the presence of family and friends and God. I talked briefly about um, uh, every fa- every successful, faithful marriage is made up of three people. That is a husband and a wife and God. Jesus Christ being the t- cornerstone of every marriage that is grounded and that, that will last. And, and the important thing is, is that That covenant was set into being by a spoken word. We took the words of scripture where we talked about love bears all things and hopes all things and rejoices with the truth and and keeps no record of wrongs. And they were verbally declaring, making an oral contract saying, I promise to you that I'm going to live this out in our life. That's the second most important decision anybody in the room will ever make. Who you choose to make your mate while you are a resident of this planet. The most important decision you ever make in your life is when you open your mouth and you say, Jesus, be my Savior, be Lord of my life. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you believe this story and you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you, you hear it and you receive it and you believe it and then you speak it. It's when you speak it that that word becomes activated. And so it's the written word that gets into us and begins to fuss with us and, and wrestle with us regarding our thoughts and our intentions. And then it's when that word transforms me and comes out of me and I begin to speak words of life and hope and peace into the middle of difficult circumstances. Standing sometimes as a mediator between two warring parties, whether it's a husband and wife or parents and children or two friends. Or God forbid that somebody in this room would have the privilege of being able to stand between two companies or two nations or two groups of people or racially reconciling. Can you imagine what the world would be like if, if Christians everywhere just took the Bible seriously and they just believed and activated and applied just one thing that Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Red and yellow, black and white and brown and all of the, 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 all of the hues of skin color in between, if we just did that one thing, this nation would be different than it is right now. We know what injustice looks like. And you know what? You can just turn the cheek and go the other way. But when it happens to you, it's a whole different issue. This wasn't even part of my message in the first service. But it's, it's amazing sometimes the things that our black brothers and sisters have had to endure. And there's no attention or very little given to it until it happens to a white person. And all of a sudden the whole world's lost their mind over it. And what would it be like if we, as the church, would be light in the middle of those circumstances and lay down the stinking political differences because that's not the answer? i I got to gotta get back on my message. Or Dennis the Menace will take over me here. All right, I just squeezed my pad and my notes disappeared. Mahatma Gandhi was a very different ruler, ruler, the word ruler shouldn't even be applied, definitely leader, who led the people of India into a democratic state out from underneath what some historically would refer to the oppressive rule of the British Empire and he chose to do it by a means of peaceful resistance. Some of you are familiar with the term civil disobedience. He was a great inspiration to the late Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., who began and inspired a lot of the, the lunch sit-ins, which began in uh, North Carolina. Some of the students out there sat at a lunch counter that was supposed to be for whites only, just sitting quietly asking to be, to be able to buy and pay for their lunch like everybody else not have to come into the back, not have to sit in the balcony of the theater where only the colored were allowed or to drink from a different fountain. Gandhi said this. He said, I love your Jesus. And he was looking at world religions. He was really considering converting to Christianity. And he said, I love your Jesus. It's your Christians that I can't deal with. He said, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces and you turn the world upside down and bring and you could bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. He's talking about this right here. Talking about your Bible. Do you, do you know where yours is? I, I remember every night as a child, a preteen, seeing... At the bottom below the, the logo for Channel 3 News, it says at 10 o'clock, do you know where your children are? And I used to think, who doesn't know where their kids are at 10 o'clock? Well, evidently, there are a lot of po- folks that didn't. And, you know, what if, what if we paid as much attention to this as we did to this? I, I don't want to shame anybody this morning. You know, the beautiful thing is is you can get this in 50 translations on this now. So you don't have an excuse anymore. And I'll, I'll confess to you, I probably open mine and check it no less than probably 50 or 60 times a day from texts. One came in right then. <laughs> Somebody called me uh, a few Sundays ago when I was preaching and they said, I called, you didn't answer. I said, because I was busy. That's why. <laughs> Did, check your clock. Do you realize what time you called me? Uh, anyway, I'm sure that person's not here, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Use your head. <laughs> <laughs> Email, texts, phone calls, social media. Oh my gosh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I stopped there. The kids have got 15 other different kinds. Snapchat this and oh my gosh, all these different kinds of things. And I just said, I can't, I can't keep up with all of that. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting at an appointment waiting to go in. And I'll text come in. I'll check my texts. I'll, I'll look and see who's posted pictures on Instagram. Who liked mine that I posted? That's really important. <clears throat> Who liked my really pithy comment that's had so much powerful truth and inspiration on Facebook? Yeah. Well, I wonder why she didn't like that. I wonder. And I'm looking through. Don't even look at me like that. You know, you do the exact same thing. <laughs> And I just just want to put something in front of you. What if you just gave God 10%? That's all he really ever asks for anyway. Because he says, if you'll just give me the first fruits of, of 10%, I'll blow out of the water and bless the other 90 in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. What if out of the 50 times a day you opened this, you gave God five of them and just looked at one scripture and just said, God, help me get this in my heart. Let me hide your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. God, give me strength and faith and wisdom and let, let, let the increase of the, the knowledge of God grow in my life. God, I'm going to give you. How about what if you just started your day? Now, don't don't, 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 don't go bite off more that you can chew. I've read through the Bible every year since I was 18 years old, sometimes a couple of times a year. One year I did it three times because I just could not put it. It was just like I was voraciously hungry for the word and there are days, let me just tell you, I don't have a taste for it, but I make myself get up and knock out those three chapters a day that I do every day. Because if I don't, my day is a mess. It's a wreck. And if, if I don't do it, if, if, because I'm like everything around me that can go wrong, how I many of you know what I'm talking about? So if I put the word first place, and after all the opinions have been aired, I give it final authority, I start to find that my life begins to be different. Sometimes it doesn't change circumstances, but it changes my perspective of those circumstances. And how many you know that's half the battle right there? The way you look at things is more important than the thing you're looking at. You know, it's like the the Pentecostal preacher said one time, you know, "The, the devil's not your problem, but it's what you think about the devil is your problem. Your problem is not the problem. It's what you think about the problem that's the problem. Really all you need is just a word from God. We sang it this morning. I, I hang on your every word. You show up here today when you could be doing some other things. Plenty of other things. A lot of things I could be doing today. But I'm, I'm showing up here because I'm expecting God to move in my heart and my life and prepare my heart to receive something. Now, not just from hearing myself preach, but from fellowshipping with you because you have a testimony and you have the the truth of what God has done in your life when you can say, this is where I was, but now God's delivered me and this is where I am. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning. In the life of the believer, the word must have first place and final authority. Finally this morning, and I'm finished, the heard word. It's written down for you. It's the greatest gift God's given to us but then we get it in us and we speak it out and it can change the atmosphere. But you've listened this morning and I believe the Spirit of God is tapping some hearts and some shoulders today, giving you an ear. You know, the most, the most repeated phrase that Jesus ever used was he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, everybody out there on that hillside at the Sermon on the Mount had flesh flaps on the side of their heads. There was I doubt there was anybody out there that didn't have these things, these, these skin appendages on the side of the head called ears. How <laughs> I many you know that's not what Jesus was talking about? Everybody had ears. Somebody says, well, maybe they weren't listening. Now, you know, the, the, our, our wives accuse us, gentlemen, of have select, having selective hearing and remembering what we want to. And there may be some truth to that. I don't know. I'm not going to argue that. But I'm talking about something that's not on the external. Or that's physical. I'm talking about an ear that's in your heart. matter of fact, spell the word heart. H-E-A-R-T. There's an ear in your heart. Your spiritual faculty of perception is inside your heart. And I'm not talking about the blood pump connected to the aorta. I'm talking about the heart of man, your spirit. Whether it's alive to Christ or it's dead in sin. Your heart has an ear in it. And the voice of the Holy Spirit is speaking today to you through kind of an overly emotional fat man on the platform that's trying to get your attention. That's saying whatever storm or whatever Irma is blowing in your life personally, Jesus is saying I'm willing to come get in the boat with you and speak peace to the wind. The heard word, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Ephesians six seventeen says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You do something actively with it when you take the written word, put it in your heart, speak it out of your heart, and then you hear yourself say that because, as the proverb says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. You become a co-creator. With the capital C, creator of the universe. Unlike any, anything else on the planet, man has the ability to speak into existence, to create an atmosphere, to create an image in the minds of other people when clear communication takes place. Dwight L. Moody said it this way out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. When you When you tackle your week this week, there will be people who are not Bible readers that are not Christ followers, but they're reading you. They're reading me. What's the message we are declaring as we live the life this week and our day-to-day, day-in, day-out existence? James Merritt, great Baptist preacher, said the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. You, You can know... You can know all about theology and ecclesiology and eschatology and pneumatology and hermeneutics and homiletics. And some of you said, Man, he's speaking in tongues up there. What is all of that? <laughs> it's just preacher talk. I'm trying to impress you. No, no. All that stuff is rubbish if you don't know the one who wrote the book. You know the book and quote it. If you don't know the author, it's meaningless. It's not about understanding either, because understanding by itself is, is no different than ignorance. You can understand something, but until you apply it, it doesn't make a hill of beans of difference in your life. Amen. And you understand it, decide you're going to deal with it tomorrow, but your life doesn't change based on what you're going to do tomorrow. It changes on what you do today. Amen. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can, you can have a pack of seeds and you've got a picture on that pack of seeds that shows you the beautiful flower that that seed will produce, and you can write songs about how powerful the seed is, and you can frame it and look at, put it on your wall, and you can just think how glorious that pack of seeds is, but until you crack open the top of that pack of seeds and take your finger and dig a hole in the ground and drop in one and cover it with dirt and water it, that seed, it's, it's, it's powerful in potential, but it's going to sit right there, and there are not going to be any flowers or any fruit produced. There'll be no tomatoes on the vine because there won't be a vine. As powerful as understanding the Bible is, that's nothing until you take what you understand and you begin to put it into shoe leather and you walk it out and take a step of faith. Oh, it's exciting to preach about mountain moving faith until you encounter your mountain and you're standing in front of it and you're pushing and it's not going anywhere. And you remember, wait a minute, the Word told me that if I would speak to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and doubt not in my heart. Jesus, that's in red letters in your Bible. Open that thing and get it in your heart and hide it in your heart. I, I, I have ordered a new thing I'm excited about. I found this on Instagram. It's called Armed with Truth. It's a real just minimal little fee to be a part of the club. And they send you four, um, four tattoos that last a week. And you put it right there on your arm, and it's scripture to memorize. So when you see me around here, and there's an ink here. Don't think I've gone, gotten a real tattoo, because I'm going to do this, because there's passages of the scripture that I don't know by memory yet that I want to know. So it's called Arm With Truth, and I thought, man, that's cool. I'm going to do that. Well, any way I can to get the word in my heart, because the word is not just about informing me. It's about transforming me. Yeah. It's about giving me hope in the middle of where there is no hope. And so this morning I want to ask you, you may not have it written on your arm. It's not about a tattoo, real or temporary. Nothing wrong with getting a real one if that's what you want. Don't hear that. Don't don't hear what I didn't say. Okay? But it's about hearing the word and responding. Taking action. Just like Haley and Brennan established a covenant and a life together by speaking words and making vows you have an opportunity right here in this point to speak up and to say, Jesus, I agree with what your word says. My life is a mess. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Change me. Save me. Very simply, that's that's how it happens right there. Romans chapter 10 says, if you believe this story, Jesus, this man, this God-man who came and he lived his life perfectly, impeccably, sinless, in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4 says. And You believe that He died for you and paid the penalty for your sins. You believe that story and you believe that God raised Him from the dead. The Bible says if you believe that in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, maybe that's not official sounding enough. Let me quote King James. If thou confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, the Lord Jesus and you believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe it here, you speak it here, that activates it. So prayer is co-creation with God. You're praying peace. We prayed peace this morning for those being affected by Irma and Harvey. We pray peace this morning. We we get the word, we get the promise, and we stand on the promise of God for your financial circumstances, for your relationship, for the wayward child, for the business that's not happening the way you need it to, for the decision that's important that you need to make. You know what? Those are things that everybody faces. The greatest and the most critical one that you face begins when you say, Jesus, take my life, lead me. Let me walk with you save me all we like sheep have gone astray everyone has turned to his own way and the bible says the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all jesus took our sin he took it out of the way he destroyed the accusing voice against you only in him only in christ heads are bowed eyes are closed